You're going to have a steady diet of it until you're ready to scream. You billy goat. I've done my utmost to get this girl back to you. The whole thing's been a deliberate double cross. If that's the kind of a cad you think I am, may you strike me down when I stand. Right, Ben. <clears throat> I'm ready whenever you are. And you're into you're introing this one. Hundred percent. I know that. Yeah, I'm usually I'm usually very foggy on the subject, but I yep. definitely remember doing it last time. You did, you did. <laughs> I'm 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 very impressed uh, that you remember because you never normally do. I <laughs> know. Oh, we need to record more regularly. That's the problem. This is true. This is true. I hope you realise though that I am going to use that for the intro though because that was perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you. Not <laughs> you and a half. <laughs> It's perfect. I mean, how how else better could we start the show with you going, ah, I remember it's you. <laughs> right, I'm editing this one. <laughs> no, you're not. Hello. If this, if this episode comes out really well and it's great fun, then I edited it. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll add that as a disclaimer, shall we? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Smoking too. That's fine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to all the best lines. We're back again. Yeah, back from the dead. Back from the dead and more regular now. More, yes, we've been eating our prunes and uh, having our bran flakes, and we're we're much yeah. more regular. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a terrible analogy. But we should point out, really, uh, why, why are we here? Because um, this was uh, supposed to be our magnum opus with our House of Hammer friends mm. doing uh, Night of the Demon. But there is a sound reason for this. Mm-hmm. We decided that we're going to make that one a Halloween special. Man, why not? Yeah, because yeah. it's a great movie. Great movie, great mm-hmm. horror, and we're approaching that season. But, you know, we didn't want to leave people without some entertainment in between now and then you know we can't we can't go three months without an episode <laughs> like we usually do <laughs> <laughs> no we've uh we decided to pester you a bit more often exactly so yeah we thought we'd chuck in an episode and we thought you know seeing as we're going dark for halloween mm. let's go light for september That's slash right. october uh-huh. so uh yeah we've gone gone a bit lighter this time we certainly I've have. thrown Smokey a real curveball. Mm. And you were asking me what I was giggling at a moment ago. I did. I was giggling at the fact that I I absolutely love <laughs> that mm. we're doing this film. Because okay. it's a complete it's a complete curveball. Um this is not a film that really anyone's heard of. This okay. is like one of those is one of those devil doll moments, you know. It's one of those, <laughs> you know, uh, what the hell is that? Well, <laughs> just watch it and find out. So yeah, I, I yeah, I'm quite happy that we're doing this film. It's a personal favourite. Fair enough, fair enough. And we we will come on to that in just a little moment. But um, we should also uh, point out and and thank everyone who has given us some lovely feedback for uh, for saying that we are... uh, we're, we're, we're staying and we're continuing. Aww. Universally positive, I should add. Uh, not one person has gone, Oi, <laughs> you said you were going. Was it just to, was it just to get listens and likes? No, it wasn't. How dare you, one person. No, no one said that, I promise. Um, <laughs> we literally decided on that call, didn't we? We did. Yeah. And so and so there we go. So we're, so we're here. Get used to it. Uh, Adam signed a, a, a multi-year contract to allthebestlines.com. Uh, sorry, dot .inc. And, uh, <laughs> and I put my signature on there too to not be uh to not be an ass and release episodes blaming it all on adam so there you go <laughs> the la- the, uh, just to put that into context people the last person who broke a contract with smoky was queen elizabeth ii and look what happened to her look what happened to her my word exactly so um we won't be uh i won't be uh slithering out of this one no 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 actually you bring that up should we mention the queen or should we not bother well i, I think it's a great shame that she's gone. It's Let me just say that it's nothing political for me. It's more she's uh, a very nice. She's a very nice person to have in your life, and I know that sounds a bit like you know she's not really in your life, Mister Roach. But the thing it's, is, she kind she's a of constant, is, isn't she? She was. She's sorry. a constant. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those favorite trees you have that you walk past and suddenly it's been chopped down or one of those favorite houses you walk past and it's been renovated. The problem is with the Queen. Now she's gone, it's like, oh, crikey. I know there's a King Charles and all that, and he's been here since before I was born. Sure. But it's just not the same. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real passing of a torch. And she's like, I, I described this to someone who I know who lives in another country who was equally as sad as me. Mm-hmm. And we were talking the other day, and I said, it's like losing a grandmother 
that you weren't really in touch with. You know, yeah. it's like she—you can tell she cared, but mm -hmm. um, she didn't really directly impact your life. But still, yeah. sad to know she's gone. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what I'm. Well, I, I'm not a royalist. I never have been. Same, yeah. I, I understand people's indifference towards the royal family, or even some of the downright vitriol that some people uh, throw the royal family's way. But I, at the end of it all, especially over the last sort of fortnight or so, at the end of it all, yes, they're in the public eye. Yes, we pay for them technically, but... It was someone's mum. It was someone's grandmum. It was someone's grand great grandma. You know, whatever. And 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 it was it was sad, as we say. She was a constant in our life. She's always been there. For, well, from when we were born, you know, she's always been there. And so I thought it was a sad thing. I do. I think the coverage and the pageantry was a little over the top, possibly. But it was still an incredible spectacle. I watched the funeral. I was moved by some of it. I was decidedly unmoved by bits of it as well which i'm sure you can guess which bits but you know <laughs> it was still she was there and now she's not and so i think a little period of reflection is is nothing bad you know i don't think that's a bad thing mm. we just happen to mm. be in this not unique situation because there are kings and queens dotted around the place but uh, we we're in this weird little bubble of england of the uk of of sort of having the the, the monarchy there and whether they're mm. a good thing or a bad thing, I, I think at this particular moment in time, I don't think it really matters whether it's a good or a bad thing because someone died, and that's not very nice in any case. So, um, mm. R.I.P. to to Madge. I, I, I'll, oh, it's it's sad, but you know, we 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 move on, and we have a king now. I did yeah. like the tweet that someone said, uh, "Bloody hell, it took us seventy years to learn God Save the Queen. Just give us a minute to learn the lyrics to God Save the King, will you? You know, we're not going to get it straight <laughs> away." Which I thought was good. The um, you know, there are plenty of people out there who are anti-monarchy, and I wouldn't sure. dream of you know wading into a debate with anyone because I think you know you must have your reasons for feeling that way. Sure. But for me, I'm like you know, for me, they just they're a nice decoration to have on British life in general, and. Yeah. I don't. I do, I can't really say that I detest them, but I do no. understand that they're expensive. But I then you know, I, I, I um, yeah, I, I see the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, it was more. It was more having. It was. It'd be like if David Attenborough died. Oh. It's one of those things that's always been there and very present in your life. If when he goes, it's going to be one of those like, oh no, not there anymore. <laughs> You're not going to be there to pop up on Blue Planet or to give your speech at Christmas. It's the same kind of thing, that's all. I, I completely agree. In fact, that leads us uh, to quite an interesting topic that's just occurred to me. So we've both been on this planet for almost the same amount of time. Uh, has there been... Has there <laughs> been a tactful of you. I thought so. <laughs> uh, oldie. I thought... <laughs> has, has there been... What, what, what's the biggest impact a celebrity death has caused you? while you've while you've been on this lovely earth that we call home um there have been a couple where i just couldn't quite believe it had happened mm, princess too. diana i remember yeah. i i remember being i used to live in a caravan outside my parents house and uh, i was sat there listening to some music one night and i remember my mum opening the door and saying princess diana has been killed and i was like what that can't be true. And it's like, it doesn't matter how many times you hear it, you just can't believe it's true. Even the next day, I got up and I the news coverage was insane. And I was watching it saying, I just can't quite believe this has actually happened. Mm. So that, for me, was probably the biggest one. David Bowie was another one. It was like, oh, no, hang on a minute. No, you can't be gone. Mm. So, um, yeah, but yeah, apart from that, it's, it's mainly been... There haven't been many people, I think, that have been robbed, like, been so big, so yeah. ubiquitous around the world, and robbed at such an age that you think, no, wait a minute, you had way more to go. I mean, Chadwick Boseman, people like that, oh. they're tragic deaths, but they're not as, they haven't, you know, they're, they're known for Marvel the, movies, the and impact, they're known in pop yeah. culture. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you, you, there are sure, I'm sure there are countries that probably aren't aware of it but people sure. like princess diana david bow who spent you know generations mm -hmm. and, and you know, filtered through to every part of life not yeah. just pop culture or entertainment sure um those kind of people when they go and they're you know it, it, it's way before their time you just think oh my goodness i can't quite fathom this one yeah so yeah i think princess die for me was was the one 
I mean, again, wasn't a massive Princess Di fan, but yeah. just couldn't believe, quite believe that she'd gone at such yeah. an age. And, and the way she true? did as well. And Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's... I'm slightly too young for Elvis, because I, I think a lot of people felt that way about Elvis, but I'm, he was slightly before my time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but before mine as well. So so was John Lennon as well, so I was before my time as well, so I, that didn't really impact me. Mm. I've got I've got two, both for very, for, for very different reasons. One was because... She was a very early crush of mine, and that was uh, Karen Keating, who was uh, yeah, uh, a yeah, children's. Yeah. For, for those who don't know, she presented uh, Blue Peter, and she was a stunning-looking woman. I'm going to have a quick guess and say your next one is Rick Mail. My next one is Rick Mail. Yeah, but yeah, I, he's another one. Yeah, I would totally have to agree with that. It was like, no, you can't be. No, why Rick Mail? Yeah. One of one of my <laughs> absolute heroes, and. Uh, and yeah, it was hard. I, I I I remembered that I was I was working what my very well my second job properly uh, that I ever had when I, I was fifteen years old and I was working in a shoe uh, shoe shop and um, we had the TVs on and it was just playing the news constantly all day. And this is in ninety ninety seven ninety eight around that time when he had his quad bike accident and I remember just mm. freezing thinking that yeah. was it you know and obviously it wasn't he got better from that. But then when he, mm. you know, he actually died and it was just, I, w- I was broken. I was absolutely I broken. remember as well, because he was very active in the news at the time. He was in lots yeah. of plays, lots mm-hmm. of TV shows. And I remember that uh, he was in a play with Stephen Fry, wasn't he? And he, didn't yes. he disappear from the, didn't he sort of like take a break or just walk out of the show one night and everyone was like, where's he gone? So he was very much the way was around. Stephen Fry. It was Stephen Fry. Yeah, he, Stephen he Fry. disappeared on a ferry to Belgium. Exactly, yeah. So Rick Mayer was very much... In the public consciousness, um, and C- cellmates, um, it, if I remember the play, cellmates, if I remember correctly, right. So uh, yeah, he was still very active, wasn't he? And yeah, it wasn't he like was. he'd sort of, he wasn't like he'd sort of, you know, stopped acting and no. drifted off or anything. He was really, really, yeah. I would I actually, you made me think, Kurt Cobain. I remember uh, yeah. in '94, I was, I was only 18, and I'd just seen him the year before at Reading and um, in Nirvana, and I remember thinking. I remember I was working in a bowling alley at the time, and all of the screens above the lanes suddenly went. I can't remember the year he was born, but so and so till 1994. And I was like, "What's happened to Kurt Cobain?" Yeah, and um, yeah, like he, why he's killed himself? Why? Why would you kill yourself? You're in the biggest band in the world, and then as you go through life, you realise that being in the biggest band in the world doesn't necessarily mean. You're the happiest person. No, this is true. I I kind of um, not blush, but I I I certainly hang my head a little bit when it comes to the death of Kurt Cobain. Because bearing in mind this is the the early nineties, I just started secondary school. I was into heavy metal, and you know I was practically the only one in my entire year who was into metal, and I became you know a figure of fun and ridicule and bullying because of liking metal. And then suddenly Kurt Cobain dies. And it was suddenly everyone came out of the woodwork and went, oh, no, we love hard rock and grunge. And uh, and it was like, where the f*** were you a year ago, you know, when you were taking the f*** <laughs> out of me? So I always had, I always had uh, held a little spite for Kurt Cobain when I was that age. But obviously now I'm, I'm older and it's sort of like, well, that was a silly way to feel. But it was just the mindset I was in at the time. But that mm. poor guy, you know, he, he obviously was an, into in, in a hell of a lot of pain uh, to leave his yeah. wife and his daughter. I mean, that's that's tragic. Robin Williams yeah. as well oh, was another God, yes. um, one of those people that you just want to be there forever. It's mm. like you, you know, and he was still active, still doing really, really interesting things, and then suddenly he takes his life. And, wow, <laughs> that one really hit hard. I remember uh, I was working at. I was still an employee of um, a popular high street retailer of uh, DVDs and Blu-rays at the time. Uh, when he uh, when he took his B and M bargains, everyone. <laughs> That's the one, and. Uh, <laughs> And, of course, you get the memo through saying, right, we've put a rush order in on every single Robin Williams movie, put a display it at the front of the store. And I'm like, that's kind of mercenary, Scumbags. You know? Yeah. Like, really? I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it worked. We sold a ton of them. But it was sort of like, mm. is that really the way you want to go? 
you know? It's a, yeah, but it's, it's very, very strange. Anyway, we, we were saying. This is an extraordinarily morbid way to get Well, I, I think that's probably the way to go, because we're going to talk about something that's incredibly light and fluffy. So I think we start out sad and yeah, we get happy. Let's balance it out. Let's balance yeah. it out. Um, before we do balance it out, uh, sorry for the depressing mm-hmm. opening, listeners, but we hope you can uh, appreciate where we're coming from uh, in this time of national mourning. That's what I'm going to blame it on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Madge. Love you. That's uh, what she would have wanted. Is what to ex- feature on all the best lines podcast. Yeah, ex- yeah. Exactly. Uh, all her best majesty's lines. But we, <laughs> we do have a couple of uh, residual emails to read uh, from our... Um, uh, I was about to say untimely demise, but it's not our... Uh, False saying of that we were going to stop. Anyway, but we do. They 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 came in late. Our, our repealed death. There you go. Thank you. It's like it's like um it's like the bloke at the end of Kind Hearts and Coronets. He gets a reprieve, sort of. Yeah. There you go. There's a callback for you. But we do. So uh, there's just two little emails here that I'd like to read for you, uh, Adam. Okay. And this is in regards to uh, to um our demise that uh, just hasn't happened. So there we go. Uh, so the first one. Is, Are they nice emails? Uh, eh. So our first one is from is from is the first one nice. Uh, our first one is from our old mate Stacy. <laughs> this is not going to be nice. Don't bother reading it. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our previous guest, Stacey, I should say as well. So yeah, on our Portrait of Jenny episode. Would you like to hear it, my oh, friend? I don't know. Would I? Is she going to be mean? Um, Just say yes or no. I, it, once. <laughs> She's mean once, but it's not to me. So. <laughs> then no. Okay. Right. Never mind, Stacey. Sorry. Next time. So uh, a very brief one. So we, we come on to a uh, previous writer and long-time friend of both of us, uh, Doreen, Doreen Weiss. Oh, yeah. Lovely Doreen. Yeah. Hello, Doreen. <laughs> Hope you're well. Just very brief, very quick and nice. She says, I am so far behind in my podcasts. The summers here are glorious, so I spend all my time outside. I just, I just listened to the sad news that you guys are ending this podcast. We will miss you, Doreen. There you go. Very simple, Aww. very quick. Thank you, Doreen, but we're not That's going nice. anywhere. <laughs> go on, read Stacey's then. Oh, go on then. Fine. Okay. She says, Dear Smokey and Adam, I was really sad to hear that all the best lines will not continue. It was a real joy to listen to you both, and your love of film and each other really shone through. I wish you both well in all your other shows, and I'm glad we'll still get to hear you, even if it isn't together on this one. That's very nice, isn't it? <laughs> then she Go says, on. Smokey, <laughs> I told you he was a dick. <laughs> All the best, Stacey. <laughs> you asked for it. Seething rage. No, no. Sorry, what happened? <laughs> Were you not listening to that particular No, I turned, off, I, I turned my sound off. Okay. What happened? <laughs> I think everyone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, fine. I'm a dick. All right. Thanks, Stacey. All right. (laughs) She loves you, really. She does not. (laughs) She absolutely does. Okay. So let's go to a film. So uh, we talked about at the start that uh, we needed something a little bit lighter, which is uh, pretty much, uh, uh, listeners, is pretty much the only criteria I gave Adam for for the choice of this film. I sort of said, yeah, let's just have something a bit lighter. And so do you want to tell everyone what you chose, Adam? So, um, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Stacey, I love you too. I'm only yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you said, should we do a snap episode? I was like, yeah, what kind of thing do you want? And you were like, something lighter. Yeah. So I just had a bit of a, a love affair with Eric Bloor again lately. And I've been revisiting his films. And one of the films that I put in my film library for my patrons mm-hmm. was... It's Love I'm After from 1937. And I was like, you know what? No one's ever going to talk about this film unless people like us do. Do you really love me so much? You're my heart and my soul. You're all women in one and the one woman. Darling. Darling, say it again. No. You say something nice to me. Dearest, I, I think you're the lowest thing that ever crawled. But as long as I can reach out and get my hands on you, no other man will ever touch me. Thank you. Thank you. Your husband. 
so um, I threw this one at you. 1937's It's Love I'm After. It's a Warner comedy, Warner Brothers comedy. So it has that lovely, dirty, tough feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, it's not glamorous like an MGM film or, you know, prestigious like a Paramount film. Mm-hmm. So it's Love I'm After. All Warner films have this earthy feel to them. They've pulled off a massive coup by bringing in the greatest cast ever. You have Leslie Howard as this affected um, scoundrel of an actor who is, you know, Shakespearean uh, genius, but a total ham yeah. and can't help but, you know, shagging his way around <laughs> the country. The entire yeah. country. The, yes. Uh, and then you have Betty Davis as his long-suffering girlfriend oh, who God, she's so good. is equally as hammy. She's fantastic in this. And she's, you know, they're constantly fighting. Mm-hmm. Then you have Olivia de Havilland as this society ingenue who's totally in love with Leslie Howard. Then you have Patrick Knowles as her fiancé mm-hmm. who's, like, been chucked over for Leslie Howard's affected actor. And then finally you have Eric Bloor as Basil, as Diggs, who is Basil's uh, manservant. Mm-hmm. That is... Uh, I, I mean, you, if anyone knows Eric Bloor, they know he's the man from all those Fred and Ginger films. He's the man from the, the Lone Wolf films. He is the perfect manservant, you know. Let, let, yeah. let me ask I mean, you, let me that, just that, jump in there. That's a very, very bare-bones setup. But yeah. Feathers, feathers. But let me just jump in there. Why, why the sudden wanting to... Uh, revisit that your uh, Eric Bloor obsession. Where, where does this stem from? You know, sometimes when you're an old film fanatic, like I am, you mm-hmm. um, there's a certain type of cinema that you adore to see. And for me, it's always 1930s, sort of mid to late. Okay. The the, the comedy, the scripting, the, the charm of it all is something I'd lust over. But then as you watch them, you you find yourself bleeding into the 40s, and with that comes noir, and with that comes thriller, and with that comes the Joan Crawford melodramas and stuff. And suddenly you're very far removed from that Fred and Ginger froth Mm -hmm. that comes from the mid-30s. So every now and then I have to sort of press the reset button and go, hang on a minute. I'm in very dark territory here. I've been watching noir from, you know, British noir from the 50s. And yeah. Oh, no, trust me, I know about that right now. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. <laughs> so I always, th- I always uh, hit the reset button every now and then and take a step back a couple of decades and go back to the mid-30s and look for things like this, because this, for me, is the sort of creme caramel of classic cinema. It's so frothy and it's lovely. It's light and it's bubbly and it's sweet and it's, you know, non-threatening and non-problematic and just really funny and charming. And it doesn't matter. You're not going to be moved by it, but you are going to laugh at it and you're going to come out feeling like you've drunk champagne. And that's what uh, I love about that mid-30s. Feel. I like that. I like Sorry. that. Well, let, well, let me give you a little a little peek behind my curtain, if you will, which is that you su- you suggested this film to me. Uh, today is a Tuesday. You you suggested this film to me yesterday on a Monday. Yesterday, last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I'm sort of like, all right, fine. Well, he's plucked that one out of his ass. So uh, you know, let's let's. let's it's literally. It it's a ringer. No one's heard of this thing. It's a very, very unseen film. So it was, yeah. And that was that is exactly my point, right? So going mm. back to the last episode, or the sort of the the fake episode that no longer exists online. By the way, I did delete it. <laughs> Good. Which which is which is that which is that you said you know there's nothing left for you to show me, or I I know more than I I did, and it's like, but when I read what. What this film was. This was this was perfect. This encapsulated all the best lines in every way, and it was beautiful because I'd never heard of it. As you said, never heard of it. it has an amazing cast. It has a great synopsis, and it was just sort of like holy. How have I not heard of this film because of its prestige? Mm. And it's got a spankingly high rating on IMDb, which I was very pleased to see. But mm. it was just, as I said, the, the pedigree, and and as you said, it it doesn't look cheap. <laughs> you know, especially the sets. Some of them, holy crap, did they spend some money on those sets, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that was a real surprise. So when I was when I was reading about it, and I was just sort of looking and going, "This is it. This reaffirms why this show exists because you're introducing something like this to me, which I never would have oh, watched before." That's really cool. I'm yeah, very glad. it mm. was it was a 
fully out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it at all. Because when you suggested... Right, and we'll get to the title in just a little moment. When you suggested it to me, I was like, I don't know what this is. And I looked it up and was like, all right, yeah, we'll do it. Sounds great. But the problem... <laughs> My main problem is a very minuscule one. <laughs> it is the title. It's the most generic, useless title a film could ever yeah, yeah. be given. I agree. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. I have spent the entire day going, I don't know what I'm reviewing tonight. And I'm watching the frigger. And I'm going, I don't know what I'm reviewing right now. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly having to look and go, oh, that's what it's called. It, it just, the title will not stick in my head, no matter what I do. Even the story it's based on has a yeah. generic nothing title. Gentleman After Midnight uh, Gentleman After Midnight is the story it's based on, which, again, doesn't even that's... begin to describe what this film is about. So, no. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, uh, yeah. They had really they... had a titling problem back in those days, I think. They really did. There's lots they of really films did. that are way better than their titles. Yeah. Was this was this based on a play? Uh, no, it was based on a short story. A short so, story, yeah. right? Like but, a, I mean, like a magazine story. You you could make this a stage play, easy. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It surprises me that it wasn't. Because I mean, you think about it: the start of the film, theater, mm. the middle of yeah. it, hotel room, act the, two, the... act two. You switch to the the country house. Yep. Yeah, and then, and then, and then the, last, the, the last bit finish off yeah. in the hotel. That's mm. yeah, that, that's easy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to admit, this this really surprised me because the the way the film starts off in in the theatre and you're watching these two actors on on stage, <laughs> and it was just I, I was because obviously I didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't even watch the trailer before I started watching the film. And I'm so glad this is making me very glad it, that you didn't know anything about it because, as you know about me, is that I am a big fan of dialogue heavy films, and yeah. this this is a dialogue heavy fan's dream because <laughs> it because it is so dialogue heavy. But it starts off with this, you know, they're doing Romeo and Juliet, they're doing the soliloquies, and they're doing the death scene, and it's it's wonderful. And then you sort of thinking, hang on, Romeo and Juliet hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> which was just, which was just the best spanner in the works because immediately it's fantastic. Immediately, yeah. my attention was captured because mm. you know if you if you know a little bit about Shakespeare, I think if you actually know more about Shakespeare, you'll enjoy this film more. To be perfectly honest, mm. and the the bare bones that I know help me enjoy it. And and so I'm sat there, you know, watching the the death scene of Romeo and Juliet, going. <laughs> This is excellent because but, they're they're lovers. They're dying and they're tearing mm. strips out of each other on stage. And it was oh, what an opening to a film! Oh, true apothecary, thy drugs are quick. With a kiss, I die. I wish there was cyanide in it. <laughs> Romeo, alack, alack! What blood is this which stains the stony entrance to the sepulchre? What mean these masterless and gory swords to lie discolored by this place of peace? Romeo, oh, pale. Who else? What Paris too, and steeped in blood? Oh, what an unkind hour is guilty of this lamentable chance. The lady stirs. Oh, comfortable friar. Where is my lord? Go. Get thee hence, for I will not away. Take the hand away from our face. They can't see me. Can you get away from me? They can't see my face. How sad. Oh, churl. Drunk all and leave no friendly drop to help me after. I will kiss thy lips. Onions again. Happily some poison yet doth hang on them. Worse than onions, garlic. I'll attend to you later, you swine. It's fantastic. Yeah, so it's worth saying for people who haven't seen it. Um, Sorry, yes. Basil and... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to them by their character names. So Basil and Joyce, mm. which is Leslie Howard and Betty Davis, are acting yeah. the death scene from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But um, they're obviously in the middle of some kind of tiff because, yeah. you know, they're about to kiss and you hear Basil 
oh, you've had onions for dinner. <laughs> oh, it's worse than that. It's garlic. Oh, you know. And then so Joyce whispers, I'm going to kill you after this play. And yeah. then she delivers her line like this. And then she falls on him. And the brilliant bit is when yes. she falls on him and you just hear this, oh, God. <laughs> this moment where she's like, he's like, God, Christ. You, the bit, you I, love, the bit I love is uh, she covers his face so the audience can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it from behind her hand. Uh, he says, stop covering my face. They can't see me. Yeah. So she makes it worse. She puts her whole hand over his face <laughs> and he's like, get your hand off my face. They can't see me. It's awesome. It's so it, funny. It it's has to be the inspiration for that scene in Friends when Susan Sarandon says, right, if you want the full attention, cover someone's face when you're kissing them. <laughs> so, and it was so just good. like, I, I was watching that going, oh, that's been, that's been used again and again. But it is, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. I mean, what a cracking opening to a film. Because I didn't know who these people were. But mm. I didn't know if they were together, if they were just acting colleagues, you know, co-stars, whatever. They, but it turns out they've had this tempestuous relationship for a long time. For years, yeah. 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 And yeah. But, mm. God damn, didn't they both play it to perfection, though? Oh, my God. Um, it's You can't... I can't even begin to fail. Like, people think of old films as this hammy kind of stagey kind of acting that doesn't work these days. Watch... It's Love I'm After from 1937. This is 85 years old. Yeah. (laughs) 85. We're talking almost 100 years ago. Yeah. And you have Leslie Howard and Betty Davis Mm -hmm. killing it. I mean, they are so funny. But they're acting. Oh, God. It's hard to describe (laughs) how good they are in this film. It's It's so bloody good. And that's the first three or four minutes of the film mm-hmm. and from then on it just gets it gets wilder it gets faster it gets funnier it's oh my god it's it's, it's also the interjection you get this drama within a drama that's happening on stage <laughs> but then you also yeah. get this lovesick girl who's in the in the box in in the theater mm. watching them and she's obviously in love with um with the lead actor and with Basil and, it, and it's just sort of like it's, it's played out so well because obviously once Romeo dies she leaves she says well I don't need to see anymore he's dead so yeah. what okay that's not the end I of the I finished watching it <laughs> yeah so so um again so for people who haven't seen it so uh Livy de Havilland plays Marsha West who's this heiress she's Excellent. engaged to Patrick Knowles she was 21 when she played this and she is just I mean she's a fully formed movie legend at 21 I know, it's mad, to be playing it? in this she's so funny she's really great in this so she's watching from the box as they're doing this death scene and you could hear you could even hear as she's sat in the box swooning over him you know him <laughs> digging into bed oh god's sake you've eaten onions you know it's so good um patrick knowles is her fiance and he's sat with her and he realizes that he's losing her to <laughs> to Leslie Howard. Yeah. And as soon as he dies in the play, she's out she's off ski. Gone. And Patrick Patrick Knowles stay sticks around and Spring Byington and um George Barbier who play Marsha's father yeah. and aunt. There's this beautiful line. I'm gonna mess this up, so you're gonna have to put a clip in here. But um <laughs> he says, What's wrong with me? And Spring Byington replies, There's nothing wrong with you, and that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> It's a great line. I mean, it's, it's what a great line, though. Just what is the matter with me? There's nothing the matter with you. That's what's the matter with you. There's nothing the matter with him. That's what's the matter with him. You're everything a girl should want and doesn't. Oh, if I were only 20 years younger and knew what I know now, I shouldn't have to look back on my respectable life as a mistake. you. There's nothing the matter with him. That's what's the matter with him. Well, there's something the matter with one of us. My, my favourite line is one of his, and it's coming up quite shortly. But um, mm-hmm. something I'd like to say is, is because it struck me, it's kind of similar to Kind Hearts and Coronets. Is, you know, there's you've got the Olivia de Havilland part, but not dissimilar mm. to Joan Greenwood's part in Kind Hearts. Very true. That kind yeah, of high society, true. spoiled brat type character mm, yeah do you know do you see where yeah. i'm going from i do yeah and two very different women um mm. vying for the love of <laughs> <a> yeah <laughs> pretty much 
Yeah. Mm. Who knew so, you could connect those two? But yeah. No, exactly. So it's worth saying what the actual story is. I mean, I've mm. now I've described the characters, but the story is that Olivia de Havilland feels like she's in love with Basil Underwood. So um, <laughs> I better use that character name. So Marsha believes that she's in love with Basil Underwood, yep. who's this hammy actor who's a complete Lothario. So she goes and declares her love for him, and he's utterly drawn to her, but she says, sure. you could never know who I am, disappears into the night. Joyce, who is Basil's long-suffering girlfriend and who completely fights with him every night and is his co-star, she you know, is, is heart- heartbroken and breaks up with him once again. So he and his manservant Diggs decide that what they need to do is have a wholesale reevaluation of Basil's life. He's yeah. been a total <laughs> for his entire life. So to what everyone. he's going to do is... Yeah, to everyone. <laughs> Women, and there's a marvellous scene where him and Diggs have this thing where they tot up the points. You know, <laughs> you oh. slept with that senator's wife. and Oh, it's just genius dialogue. <laughs> so they basically come out... You, We do come out as rather a bad odour, uh, says Eric Bloor. And um, he says, right, I need to do some good deeds in my life. And it's then that Patrick Knoll shows up and says, look, my fiance Marsha is in love with you. And what I need you to do is I need you to make her not love you so yep. she will fall back in love with me. So <laughs> Be he an decides even bigger to make shit. <laughs> <laughs> Basil Underwood, the hammiest Shakespearean actor of all time, decides to make it his mission. What he's going to do is he's going to make this girl fall out of love with him mm-hmm. by any means necessary, and that will completely like rehabilitate his soul, his standing as a person. Yeah. So he has to be the world's biggest asshole yep. to Marsha and her family. Mm-hmm. But the more of an asshole he is, mm-hmm. the more she falls in love with him. I mean, that's <laughs> like that's pure stalker territory, isn't it? You know, it's if, so you, good. if if you if you <laughs> act that way and that person still loves you because they can forgive your quote unquote flaws, that's pure stalker <laughs> territory. That really is. <laughs> But, it really um, is. It's genius the way they work it. I mean, it's a great the, the thing that impressed me most is that the vast majority of the people in this, apart from Diggs, I'll give him, a, I'll give him a little break on this, is that they all flip flop from being a nice person to being a nasty person, a nice person to being a nice person. It flip flops all the way through the film. You can at one second you go, oh, I'm rooting for him now, and then you go, oh no, he's being a knob again, or you go, oh, I'm rooting for her now, oh no, she's being horrible again. It's just a pure constant roller coaster with these characters, mm. and that's what makes it incredibly compelling, because mm. I I didn't know how it was going to end out. I I hoped mm-hmm. what what I hoped was going to happen did happen, so I was quite. You know, I was quite happy at that. But uh, what a, uh, I, I'm going to lay my cards on the table right now. What a gem this this film it's, is. It's brilliant. And do you know what makes it so so bloody good is the performances. Okay. I mean, the I mean, the script on its own is a masterpiece. But yes. it's the way that I mean, Leslie Howard, known for dramatic acting, you know, Gone with the Wind and Intermezzo, and you know, sure. all of these films that he's such a Pygmalion. You know, mm-hmm. very heavy stuff. Very, very, you know, like like his character almost, yeah. but in a serious way. Mm-hmm. Did lots of Shakespeare, did Romeo and Juliet with Norma Shearer. But in this, completely sends himself up. There's a scene, a beautiful moment where he walks down the stairs. He's like just trotting down the stairs. And this maid walks past him and says, Mr. Underwood, I've always admired you. And he just kind of does this boat turn on the <laughs> He doesn't even say anything. He just sort of does this huge U-turn on the stairs and just walks on up after all this. And then Diggs calls him down. Sir, and he does this U-turn back towards Diggs. Oh, my God. It's it's so funny. This is one of the only films, I think, that you could watch today and just go, this is... just so funny we we've talked about this before actually on a on a couple of earlier episodes in that when we've talked about humor's yeah humor is hard to translate isn't yeah it? V- very subjective is humor it's one of the the most subjective uh, uh film genres there are and uh, you know I, I remember us talking and sort of you know i i said to you about like say harvey or some like it hot and you and you were sort of like yeah they're comedies but i don't really laugh but this one apparently no, it sounds, I don't it's it's yeah. it sounds like this one really gets you it does yeah but i, <laughs> I just 
I just find it like I'm a big fan of clever dialogue. Mm-hmm. I like a nice, I like a nice word carefully used. Sure. And so that that makes me laugh. I like when people are so into their characters that they just vanish. And mm-hmm. I think Leslie Howard. I mean, Eric Bloor is a comedy genius, and he, he has moments in this that are transcendent. Mm-hmm. But for me, Leslie Howard is the standout comedy performance in this because I know him from such serious films. And to watch him doing this, like, you know, complete sleazeball stuff, yeah. you know, like on the, the future. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just it's thinking about it now and just laughing. It's so yeah. funny. And, and it's just the way he, he, he's like a spider as well, you know, and he goes, yeah. digs, pack the bags. Oh, oh, the packing I, I, the bags. The packing the bags. And uh, yeah. him and, him and Eric Bloor are the greatest double team. They really The greatest. Are. Oh. It's hard to explain. Why is it no one loves me? But I love you, sir. Don't confuse the issue. Am I really such a bad fellow as she thinks? Oh, please, sir, don't let's go into that now. There's loyalty for you. And from you, Diggs, my faithful dresser, ever since I pulled you out of that ridiculous bird act with which you were trying to kill Vaudeville. Oh, do you remember my Oriole, sir? (whistles) Don't change the subject. Though some people thought I was at my best as a canary. Take Take this. Set down the score. Yes, sir. I'm going to show you that there aren't enough hairs on my head to number the good deeds I've done this past year. Yes, don't you mean my head, sir? Don't be facetious. Now, first of all, I want 100 points for that benefit performance I played. Right, you are. And 100 points for the critic I did not punch in the nose. Yes, sir. We get minus 200 with Philadelphia, sir. Philadelphia? Yes, the alderman's wife, sir. But you can't count that. She didn't complain. Yes, but the alderman did, sir. All right, have it your own way. Philadelphia minus 20. Sorry, sir. Philadelphia minus 200. What about all that money I sent to my poor old uncle last year? Cancelled by our conduct in Denver, sir. Denver? Yes, don't you know the little darling with the red hair and the green eyes, sir? Well, what could I do, Diggs? What could I do? The gentleman with the sour puss had a very definite suggestion, sir. Imagine escaping from Denver in a beard. Yes, and Dallas, and Houston, and New Orleans, sir. Our southern swing. Mm-hmm. All in all, I'm afraid we add up as a bit of a bad odour, sir. Yes, I'm afraid we do. What a thing for a man to wake up and realise. Basil Underwood, you're a skunk. Oh, don't take it to heart, sir. Don't defend me, Diggs. After all, what am I? Just the greatest actor in the world. Yes, but there's hope, sir, even for us. Uh What hope? Where's the season for making resolutions and turning over a new leaf, sir? (laughs) I'd have to turn over the whole public library. You could do it if you try, sir. I could, couldn't I, Diggs? And I will. And I think that's why uh, I'm going to differ from you slightly, because you're more used to him, uh, Leslie Howard, being the way he normally is in films. But uh, for me, the standout was was Eric Bloor. I mean, he's just... Oh, he's so good. He, he is, he's stupendously good in this film. The, the bit when he's so fed up of unpacking and repacking the bags again, and he's throwing everything at the suitcase, and then he takes off his wig and throws that at the suitcase as well. I was howling. Because I just wasn't expecting that at all. And it was... Oh, it's it was do you know what I love as well? The unspoken partnership they have between them. Like, Eric Bloor's like, anyway, I'll talk to you in a minute. I have to go downstairs and be a to the family <laughs> on your behalf. And he walks down and does that whole, where are the kippers speech? <laughs> and he's like glaring at them all. And he walks out. And then Patrick Knowles chases him out and pretends to have a go at him. And he's like, yeah. yes, I know my master is out. Putting their thumbs up. <laughs> It's God, it's so bloody good. But it's, it's also so it's also the way they have this they have this repartee that they can act mm. out various moments of plays that he's mm. been in. We're and here it, because we're here <laughs> because we're here because we're here. I mean when they do that, it's like ah it's on, the, it's the really Grand fair. Central Station bit as well. It's just like mm. come on, come on, he's here, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It's, <laughs> How it's much we're laughing huge. at? I just remembering it. It's yeah. like, it's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. Me. If we did have to mention, because we're you know fair, if we did have to mention any <laughs> negatives, would you have any? Um, I think I think uh, as a concept, it does slightly run out of gas. I think. I mean, it's ninety minutes. I would say by seventy minutes, they tried to crowbar an extra sort of situation in that Agreed. didn't need to be there. I think if this had been 75 minutes, it would have been, you know, flawless and you can't really argue. 
But I, I think because, yeah, you get to about 70 minutes and you're like, oh, we don't need to see Joyce going off with Marsha's father. That was I mean, weird. Just, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's a very slight... <laughs> I'm trying to find things wrong with it. Okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful film to look at. It's very, very funny. I can do it. I just think maybe they crammed, <laughs> they crammed a couple too many situations in there because someone said, this needs to be slightly longer. Yeah. I don't think it did. But no. yeah, you know, yeah. It does. I I agree. It, it it runs out of steam, and then you're you're faced with a. Uh, don't get me wrong. The sort of the last five ten minutes or so, they they work within the film, but it's the little mm. bit before that, and it just kind of yeah. just kind of slows down a little bit. And at that particular moment, I needed it to keep going quickly, and it doesn't. And this is just from a purely personal uh, point of view, is that. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of the sort of slapstick French bedroom farce. I, I, I find. I find if you do it right and you do it well, then you can sustain it, but not for too long. And so for me, I was just sort of like, yeah, that was the first time I sort of looked at the time. It was sort of like, okay, hang on. But that's, you know, an hour in, you know, so I've only got half hour left. So it wasn't a chore or anything to watch. And these are very minor gripes because every single member of the cast is spot on. The script is an absolute dream because, as I said, I love dialogue heavy movies. And so I was very happy. The the scene when Basil is trying to convince, uh, sorry, when he's realize that what he needs to do is to uh, marry Joyce and that's going to be the best thing and she's barricading the door and it's mm. getting he's getting dicks to just bang on the door and I mean that was beautiful <laughs> and poetry I could watch that scene right now and be perfectly happy to go watch because it, it lasts mm. for about 20 minutes it was brilliant I was like yeah bring it on but unfortunately when you've got a 90 minute long movie and bearing in mind what was this 37 this was made mm-hmm yeah, ninety minutes is that's a little too long. There, you need to you need to trim that down. This could do with a trim, but I mean, they're, as I said, mm. they're very minor grapes because everything else is all in the positive. It sparkles. The script sparkles. The ca- the cast sparkles. You could tell they're all having so much fun. You know that it was mm. it was a beautiful thing to see. Something I wanted to ask you because obviously you know more about him than I do. But um Eric mm. Bloor, did he really make those bird noises? No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> they were dubbed. Gutted. Of course they were dubbed. Oh gutted. <laughs> it would have been brilliant if he had, because it's such a wonderful trick to possess. He basically was an actor before and came up with the Gay Divorcee on the London stage with Fred Astaire, who was starring in The Gay Divorcee okay. at the time. Um and when they came to make the movie in Hollywood Fred Astaire said, there's no one else who can play this part but Eric Bloor. And he came along and played that, you know, the man-servant part in The Gay Divorcee, and it was such a massive hit that ever since he was kind of typecast in those roles. He was always a man-servant, but he was always the funniest thing in the films. And God bless him, you know, what what a bloody fantastic actor he was <laughs> it's so recognisable and everyone who's a fan of classic cinema loves Eric Bloor but he's, he's never the name him. you reach for I've been singing his praises for eight years now saying you know Eric Bloor is one of those MVP guys from classic cinema just you know the golden age of Hollywood just wouldn't be the same without him him and like you know Edward Everett Horton and oh, yeah. Lillian Randolph and all those kind of you know supporting players who always it didn't matter how bad the film was if you saw their name, you're like, I don't care how bad this film is. I know that every 15 minutes or so, Eric Bloor's going to pop up with a bad wig on and make some joke that's going to make me go, yes, I'm so right, glad. I'm, I I, I'm, I'm prophesizing this now. Coming soon <laughs> to a podcast near you, The Secret History of Hollywood is Bloor. <laughs> <laughs> After Thin comes Bloor. <laughs> I think I've just given you a new idea there. <laughs> Against the blore. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> blore breaker. Oh, oh, now you're talking. <laughs> blore buster. Oh, there's a good one. <laughs> but no, this is this is a wonderful film and and how I it's how I never heard film, of it. Yeah. I I yeah. will never know. And how how we've never done it at a film club because that it would run right at a film club as well, so. It would it would be one of those. But it's one of those things that I'll put it up for the vote and no one will know 
what it is, so they won't vote. I think it's been up for the vote like three times. Has it really? In the past, yeah. And it's one of those films, I never heard of that, so I'll vote for, you know, Gone with the Wind instead or something. It's one of those films that people overlook a lot. (laughs) Hang on, we're never doing Gone with the Wind as a film club. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. We just don't have time. No, we do not. (laughs) There's not enough beer in the world. (laughs) It's just a lovely, it's a lovely little film. It reminds me a lot of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I reviewed it a little yes. while ago saying it's like that kind of vibe, you know, you got people yeah. trying to be bad, you know, but they're not naturally that way and the one the one that came funny. to my mind, mm. three amigos. Yeah, that kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, yeah. people faking it to be because they want to make it and yeah. It's kind of it's love I'm after very much is in that vein. It's very mm. dirty rotten scoundrels. He's trying to be bad and yeah. he has to make himself really like objectionable mm. and then they go, "Oh, but you're even better now." So he has to be even worse, you know. Yeah. It's just the, it builds and it builds and it spins and it gets faster and faster like that. And as you say, it does kind of run out of steam at about 70 minutes. Mm. But it's only for a short break and then you have this look. <laughs> There's a brilliant climax at the end where um you know, he goes back to the apartment with Marsha and then she realises that she, she loves Patrick Knowles and, you know, they're stood there and Basil Underwood does this hugely hammy sort of, oh, I am spurned, <laughs> does this no. huge, like, Shakespeare scene and he's doing it to the window and they kind of like, like let's go. And they sort of sneak out the door and he's doing it all to himself. And yeah. it's such a brilliant moment of physical comedy. Leslie Howard's there, swooning and you know against the chairs, and oh, woe is me! And he turns around, they're gone. It's brilliant. I only did it because Henry, I know I... why you did it. I heard every word you said. I've studied psychology. You did it because you're an exhibitionist. All actors are exhibitionists, and you're just an actor. Just an actor. And not a very good one, either. My dear little ninny, we're all actors. Henry just played a big theme. Shakespeare again. Yes, a genius who wrote many truths. And nothing truer than all the world's a stage. And all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. His act being seven ages. At first the infant, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms. And then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like a snail, unwillingly to school. And then the lover, sighing like a furnace, with a woeful ballad made to his mistress' eyebrow. Then a soldier, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, jealous in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws and modern instances, and so he plays his part. The sixth scene shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon, with spectacles on nose and pouch on side, his youthful hose well saved, a world too wide for his shrunk shank, and his big manly voice turning again toward childish treble, Boy, what a ham. (laughs) Last scene of all that ends this strange, eventful history. His second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. What, no audience? I agree. And that, and that final confrontation between Basil and Joyce, when they literally push each other to the floor in the middle of an argument, you know. It's, do you know what, as well, it, that, that uh, mo- final moment, like you say, it's it's one of those moments you think, oh, they're going to fall into each other's arms and it's all going to yeah. be all right. And they do for about about a split second and then they about just that. start rowing again. And you're like, yeah. that's what we came for. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> They're the people we met at the beginning of the film. So clever. Absolutely. But it's it's just that tempestuous relationship they have. That is it's so it's Nick and Nora. It's so obviously theirs, you know. Mm. It it's it this couldn't work with anyone else. This is their relationship. Yeah. And if I if I have to shove you to the floor to get you to listen to me, fine, and I'll listen to you, but I'm gonna shove you to the floor as well, and then you'll listen to me. It's like that could happen with no one else, because you probably get you'd probably get done on assault charges but um but it's just like no sit down listen to me we're gonna argue but then we're gonna make up very quickly afterwards yeah and um yeah it it was a 
beautiful thing to watch. It's a cracker. A couple of things I, I wanted to ask. Uh, one is just a, a silly little uh, a thing that I have. Have you, have you ever seen the uh, the episode of Frasier with um, uh, Derek uh, Jacobi playing a faded Shakespearean actor? Um, I'm <laughs> no, sh- I'm, no, but I'm, no, but say no more. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure he watched this episode because I'm sure that there's, there's a little bit of a... Sorry, I'm sure he watched this film because I'm sure there's there's something in there in this performance here. It, it was excellent. Mm. Hello, lads! Oh, Mr. Headley, please join us on the stage. Yes. Oh, yes. Or shall we say, on your stage. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. oh, it is such a... Such a long time since I've trod the boards. Do you really think people are going to pay money to see me after all these years? The way things are going, we expect a sellout. One week from today, you'll be looking out on a packed house. Really? Do you know the one thing that I I don't miss about performing live? It's it's the jitters. It's the dry heaves. Maybe this wasn't the best idea. Sir, please, please. The theatre is your true destiny. It courses through your veins. It fills your lungs. This is your stage. Welcome home. And you said you'd never produced before. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you to a hall in Elsinore Castle, Denmark. I die, Horatio. The potent poison quite all crows my spirit. I cannot live to hear the news from England, but I do prophesy the election lights on Fortin Brass. He has my dying voice. The rest is silence. (laughs) No, you boys were right. It's as if I never left. But also, let's just talk about the very, very last moments of this film. <laughs> it ends in a okay. spectacularly bizarre way. Do you not think? Okay. What, when Eric Bloor finally loses it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, you have to, it's you have to have been a fan of 30 cinema to appreciate that moment, I think. It's an interesting acting choice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he, he basically acts like a penguin, doesn't he? He sort of kind flaps of, his arms, yeah. loses his mind. You yeah, see his slaps, wig almost spinning around his head. on his head. I mm. just, I, I'm not. <laughs> it's very cartoonish. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the way I, I would have chosen to end this film. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mind it at all. I had no issues. <laughs> you not just think it was a bit silly? No, okay. <laughs> it's a silly <laughs> film. I know, <laughs> I know, but but he's been so good. Diggs has been so good throughout the film, and then to sort of leave it on him, sort of blustering and flustering, <laughs> and just sort of being, <laughs> and he was just sort of like, oh come on. I was a little bit. Do you not think that was kind of the point? He's been so good all the way through this, and now he's just completely, absolutely lost it. It was like the pressure cooker, you know, and that uh, valve goes off. Fine, <laughs> fine, and that, and that's fine. But it could have been done better. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The, end, the ending, t- the ending ticked me off. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> very weird. What a weird <laughs> criticism. <laughs> Well, you should be used to that by now. <laughs> it was the ending of, uh, was it Out the Past that annoyed me as well? So, yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, well, should we, should we have some uh, general thoughts and ratings then, mate? Yeah, go on. You go first. All right, I'll go first. What a film. Lovely. Absolutely lovely film. Um, as I said, the, the start hooked me completely. I wasn't expecting the beginning to, <laughs> <laughs> that, that we were given because I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but what it, I was was it wasn't that. And it was it was lovely and wonderful. And 
so well acted and and that just continued all the way through this is yeah this is i mean obviously there are going to be people out there who know this film but but, but to me this is a a hidden gem and and as i said to you earlier this is why i wanted to do all the best lines was to to find films like this and to sort of go holy crap this is really really good <laughs> mm. as i say it, it does have a few issues i mean as i said I, I didn't really like the ending and uh, the couple of pacing issues towards the end as well but they're very minor and uh, as i said because of the um expedited uh, nature of us uh, <laughs> recording this episode i only got to watch it once today so i'm going to give it an eight for now but um but i think it definitely has the potential to go up to a nine if i watch it again because the, I, I need to hear that script again because the, uh, some of those scenes were mind-bogglingly quick and good but not in a sort of uh, not in. Uh, I keep going back to it, and I do apologise for people who are fans, but not like His Girl Friday when it's just bullet after bullet after bullet, and you're just expected to keep up. This was. It gives you time to breathe, and it gives you time to hear. It's nuanced, words, isn't it? it? Yeah, that's the perfect word for it. Yeah, and uh, and also mm. the 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 line was his. Um, oh no, I I think I could describe him, but it would uh, require a bigger vocabulary. I mean, it was, I mean that's just that's just gold. That's just absolute mm. gold. And oh, my favourite line. I have to say my favourite line, which is, um, was it, uh, you kids don't argue. You can say that until you're happily married, which I thought was a fantastic <laughs> line. Uh, it's was, all zingers. I was, yeah, I was Those. chuckling my heart away at that. But So no, this is wonderful. I'm going to watch it again. And I think I will go up to nine. But at the moment, it's an eight. So uh, yeah, but it's, but what a great film. Loved it. Oh, great. Well, um, I might surprise you slightly here, um, because this is and always has been an eight for me. Whoa. Yes, I'd, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with an eight though. I don't think, uh, uh, I don't think I you know, an eight out of ten or or a four out of five doesn't mean, Christ, it's not a masterpiece because it is in lots of ways. Sure. But is it as artistic as Cat People? Well, no. And is it as timeless as It's a Wonderful Life or you know Rebecca? Of course, mm-hmm. it isn't. But, you know, there's no shame in being a, a, a 4 out of 5 or an 8 out of 10. This top. is a film, I have to say, one of the only classic comedies that still makes me laugh. I just find it really funny and charming and brilliant and so well acted. I love it to bits. But I can't, honestly, in all in all good faith, stick it up against, you know, Rebecca or, or, or the greatest films of all time or Obsession or something well, like the, that. Of course they are Or Out of the Past. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we, bo- you know we, it, both, we both gave Kind Hearts a 10 out of 10. And it, you know, it, exactly. What would I recommend to someone? You can have one film, Kind Hearts and Coronets, or It's Love I'm After. Of course I'm going to say Kind Hearts and Coronets because it has way more in terms of nuance and stuff. It's Love I'm After is a frothy 30s comedy with some great performances. It's devilishly funny and yeah. it's brilliantly made. And I'm so glad it's in the world. And yeah. I hope that more people will hear this review and go out and watch it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, eight, 8 out of 10. But, uh, you know, a, a, a glorious 8 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't think you know, that takes away from anything. 8 out of no. 10 means it's, you know, skies above something mm-hmm. like Portrait of Jenny. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny, funny film. Mm-hmm. It's a f- really, really, really funny film. Mm-hmm. But you will have favourites that come higher than it. Sure. Of course you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Love I'm After, though. You know, as as far as 30s comedies go, as far as Golden Age cinema goes, it's a really, really underseen gem. And mm-hmm. you definitely, definitely need to go and watch it. As soon I as possible. Completely agree. Yeah, there, I, I I can't uh, pick fault in your in your review or rating at all. It's uh, thank you again. Thank you for bringing this into my life because what a wonderful yeah. film, and I will be watching it again because because um, that script is uh, an absolute diamond. And yeah, oh god, bloody masterpiece, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's so wonderful. funny. Yeah, and uh, what you know. Two great films to to come back with, you know, you know, and and I'm looking forward to doing Night of the Demon and whatever, whatever else is coming in the future. But but what a what a great film to watch! Well, spoiler alert: Night of the Demon is a total ten for me. So you can oh. have that one up front. <laughs> 
<laughs> there we go. You heard it here first. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, this is great. As I said, this is exactly why I wanted to do this show and uh, to to suddenly have this, you know, thrown up for for review and to discover this film that I never would have seen otherwise. It's just, it's it's marvelous, and uh, I really, I, I'm agreeing with you. I I hope more people find this and and watch it and give it a go. It is in the library, so. Uh, Get yeah, it watched. It is, yeah. It's it's yeah. that's where I watched it. It's because um, I pay my money every month, so uh, get it watched <laughs> and uh, and enjoy because yeah, spectacular. Oh, by the way, we haven't done gush of the week. Mm. Who are you going Ooh. for? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, you got Olivia de Havilland and Betty Davis. I'm going to go with Spring Barrington <laughs> because I I do sort of go for lunatics and nutcases i i i oh, well they're, they're all that aren't they uh <laughs> it, it's close but i'm gonna have to go for betty davis betty davis is super cute in this mm-hmm. film isn't she yeah a, a, a lot a, a lot of the film she plays in she comes across this kind of ice maiden a bit you know a no. bit aloof and a bit unattainable in this, in this she is in this she is like very very appealing i have to mm-hmm. say she's one of the you know you, you do get quite a crush on her yeah, 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 really do, especially when she's wearing those gloves. Sorry, that's my thing. Sorry, but yeah, yeah, my word. Yeah, she's a she's a stunner, and it was just all like, oh, okay, yeah, you're a little nuts, but you know, okay, I, I can live with that. <laughs> Fiery. <laughs> Fiery is a good word. Is a good word. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, there we go. Uh, for the film with the most forgettable title in the world ever, uh, we we watched that. <laughs> yes. It's love I'm after. There we That's go. What it's That's called. the one. It it's is, love like. I'm after. I've literally forgotten it. <laughs> in case anyone forgets. It's love I'm after. <laughs> Look on your podcatcher of choice. It'll tell you the title there. <laughs> That's wonderful. So next time, when we come back, mm. we will be with the House of Hammer Lads and we'll be doing Night of the Demon. So that's sure going well. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Night of the Demon, people. <laughs> that, that will be coming at Halloween. So... Yeah, everyone, uh, wait for that. That's great. But um, thank you to everyone who got back to us uh, w- uh, with lovely feedback about uh, about us remaining. That's uh, very mm-hmm. kind of you. Thank you. Thanks, um, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's your own fault. You made a watch portrait of Jenny. So I know. Yeah, I didn't mean to be a. I didn't mean to be a deck. A deck. Yeah, you were a deck. Anyway, <laughs> and on that note, we shall see you in a couple of weeks' time. So, until that time, all the best. Lines, Daniel. Are you going to keep scratching your back this entire time? Nope, I'm going to stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a back scratch. Do you know when you have a back scratch on your desk and yeah. you're recording a podcast? No. There's nothing. It's like, it's like putting a bacon sandwich in front of someone. You go, oh, I fancy a bit of that. You know what? I'm not even, I'm not even hungry. But there's a bacon sandwich here. I just want to bite the thing. It's like a back scratch on